Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. James chapter one, verse 19 and following to the conclusion of the chapter. Are you ready? Man, this is so good. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Oops. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. Do what? Get rid of all moral filth. And evil that is so prevalent. And humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word. Everybody say that. Don't merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Everyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is an idiot. No, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Doesn't say, it doesn't say that. Let, let's go back. I, I, I'm fasting. <laughs> I think I might use that as an excuse for the whole service. Everyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, that what? That gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Verse 26, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. This preaches all by itself. Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Oh my goodness, let's pray. Father, thank you. You're amazing. Come and move and stir and touch and change us. May we never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen, you may be seated. Did you all get notes? Okay, they're coming. Come on, boy. Come on down. We do have notes for you, and um, we hope that you'll fill those in and move along as we move along. We've been in a series, just started it really. This is, in fact, the third message in the series of the book of James, and uh, it's impacting my life. I worked on it last night. It was just so profound, and then my normal Sunday routine is uh, I have, have church and head home and review my notes while Pastor Karen puts together lunch. In this case, I had some wings from some local restaurant and went home, studied for a little bit. And then usually I'm so tired because I don't sleep Saturday night much. I pray and get maybe four or five hours about. And so then I go and take a nap. Now, let me just say that I was told when I first got saved, what Christians do is you go to church on Sunday morning and then and even go twice or three times, as many services as they have, you should go to. Now, I'm glad that y'all don't do that because we'd have no room here, but. Then you go home and you eat lunch and then you take a nap. And then you wake up and you go back to church. And so that's what I was, literally, I thought like that was in scripture somewhere. That, that's how important. They said, no, this is what you do. You go to church, you eat lunch, you nap, you get up, you know, you have a cup of tea or something, and then you go off to church, and then you eat dinner after, and it's awesome, and your life will get changed. And so I've just been doing that for, you know, 30 years, whatever it is. And so I do the same thing as a pastor now, except my preparation time is uh, woven in there. So I review my notes and go over things, and I was putting the finishing touches on this, and I began to weep, began to weep through this text. It's so profound. It's so profound. You are in for a great a great, great word because it's God's word. Can you say amen? You all have notes now? Did I kill enough time right there? 
studies in the book of James. There are principles, and I've called this three keys to a successful life. It really is quite simple. Three keys to a successful life. You know what a successful life is? A successful life, by one definition, is having what God says you can have, being who God says you can be, and doing what God says you can do. That's one definition. Another definition, honestly, is when you get to the, to the throne of judgment. You're there, and the Lord looks at you, and instead of saying, well, what happened? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. That is really a definition. I had somebody confirming this message to me today as they asked me, Pastor, when we go to heaven, is everybody the same? Are we all on equal planes in heaven? I said, absolutely not. She said, somebody said, we're all equal in heaven. Well, that's not true. What do you mean by that? In Corinthians, Paul writes that as one star differs in glory from another, so it is with the resurrection and those in the kingdom of heaven, that there are those who will have a greater reward than you or me. The big mistake is thinking that just because somebody's all pretty and anointed and has a lot of worldwide impact, that they would then have a greater reward than you would as you stayed faithful to doing whatever thing that you think is menial. Really, we're judged based on the gifts and talents that God has given us. I will not be judged based on the gifts and talents that God gave Pastor Kirsten, which are many. And he won't be judged based on the gifts and talents that I have. We will all thank, come on, somebody say praise the Lord. All of us are given gifts and talents and how faithful and loyal and fruitful, what you do with your time. We all have 24 hours in a day. What you do with your time and your talent, what you do with your finances and your resources, what you do, you'll be judged based upon that, not based upon someone else's gifts and talents. Come on, somebody say amen. But at the same time, you might want to say, oh my, also, because that means you're going to have to do your best with what God gave you. And you know what I found out? If you'll just be faithful and loyal with what God gave you, you might be brain damaged and he'll give you a new brain. That's certainly my testimony. There are principles of success, and what I mean by success in the truest sense of the word, because we're never exhorted in Scripture to become wealthy. We're never exhorted in Scripture to become famous. We're never exhorted in Scripture to, to, to be successful like the world sees it. We're exhorted in Scripture to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Jesus gave parables about it. And so three, three keys to a real successful life are found in this text. And uh, some common scenarios, um, some common scenarios. Have you ever heard someone say, or pardon me, have you ever said something that you wish you didn't? So you mouthed off? I might have done that today. Oh, I'm the only one? We've, we've all said things that we wish we hadn't, but once you say it, it's too late. And you can... Try to reel that back in, and you can, and you should, but, but still, words, words hurt, and we've said things that we wish we hadn't said. The second thing is, you ever, somebody ever give you directions? They say, hey, here's what, this has happened to me countless times. Oh, I'm in the middle of the country, as the scenario might be, and I pull over to talk to someone alongside the road. Hey, where is such and such and so and so? Have you seen it? You know, series many times a false prophet will send you down some road that doesn't even exist. So you got to get, anybody remember paper maps? So I'd ask somebody and they say, oh, that you just, you just head right down here, cross the holler, and then you hang a left. And, and usually I'm like, okay. And then there it is. But then they'll generally say, then you hang a left and you go past that stop sign, then another stop sign, past the other stop sign, hang a right. When you see the trunk, the stump, then past the, past the oak tree with the yellow ribbon on it, past the fourth house on the fifth, you know what I'm saying? And you're like, I, I should have been writing it down. And, and many times I'll hear it. And I'm like, I got it. I got it. Oh God, I got it. I got it. I got it. And, then, and really, I don't have it. Yeah. Or sometimes... You know, your wife might say to, your, to you or you might say to one of your children, the trash is full. 
would you please take it out? And I'm like, oh yeah, dad. Oh yeah, mom. And then somehow you look back about 20 minutes later, half an hour and the trash is still there. Has that ever happened in your house? Has that ever happened in your house? You know why that is? Because whoever you said it to didn't really listen. There's hearing and listening. Listening and hearing. You, you might hear words, but you're not really listening. And the third common scenario, have you ever gotten angry about something and deeply regretted what you did or said? Am I the only one? Have you ever gotten angry about something and did something you're like, I shouldn't have done that. That was foolish. That was wrong. James gives keys here to the successful life. And um, it's fascinating here. Go right to the first verse that we read, verse 19. My dear brothers, take note. Everybody say, take note. Great. So you have notes. You're taking notes. But what does he really mean when he's saying, take note? You know what he's saying? Memorize this. This is what James says. Memorize this. Everybody say, memorize this. All right, and you ought to memorize these, this verse right here. Take note, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Well, let's all say it. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Write it down on a three-by-five card. Put it on the mirror in your bathroom that some of you spend too much time in front of. Put it on, put it on your refrigerator. Put it, put it wherever you can see it on a regular basis and memorize. That's what he's saying. Take note. Everybody say, take note. Because it is that important. And he begins to, he begins to talk about anger. Can I keep in mind that anger is not sin? Everybody say that anger is not sin. But in your anger, you can sin. Turn to Ephesians chapter four. Anger is affected by our fallen human nature. I said, anger is affected by our fallen human nature and you need to be very careful. We need to be very careful that in our anger, we don't sin. There is a principle, Ephesians 4, I'm gonna go there in a moment. There is a principle in deliverance ministry that's, that refers to places where the enemy is able to have access to you as entry points. Everybody say entry points. So we have a couple of doors that are open, otherwise we would be sweltering. And over on this side, you see a door and it's open. Now, if I close a door, how many of you know if I close a door, it's going to be closed? So Ecclesiastes says, where a tree falls, there it is. Come on, how many of you know that's true? Okay, the door is closed. As an illustration for an entry point, if on the outside of that door was someone who wanted to harm me, would you open the door? Say, so, yeah, I would. I'd just give him a knuckle sandwich. Okay, that's great, Mr. Macho Man. Fantastic. If there's someone outside that door, if there's, some, if there's something outside the door that's, that's bigger and stronger that could, that could really hurt you, hurt your family, would you open that door? And the answer is no. An entry point or doors that are opened, whether on purpose, some people open doors unwittingly or through their ignorance, perhaps, but they, amen. They open doors and they make entry points for themselves. And this is a fascinating thing because it's not just anger that can open up an entry point. There's many things that can open. Some of you do things that you not, should not. And you think that you're getting away with it because nobody sees you doing it. But the truth is the devil sees you doing it and God sees you doing it. And in fact, you very possibly have opened up a door, an entry point. Ephesians 4, are you all there? And I've taught you along these lines before. Amen. In your anger, don't sin. Everybody say it, verse 26. Ephesians 4 and 26. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. I mean, literally, if we look at the New Testament where it's written and the people he's writing it to, it would then say basically, there should be no longer than a 12 hour period for your anger. Now in Alaska, you can be angry a lot longer because the sun is up a lot longer. <laughs> 
But an application, biblically understanding the context, it's about 12 hours. And somebody said, do I take that literally? I think it's a good, I think it's a good way to look at it. Uh, some things you just have to forgive people over and over. Deep, deep hurts. You just have to be like, mm, I forgive them again. And every 30 seconds, you're forgiving. You wake up in the middle of the night, I forgive them in Jesus' name, or you, for, or you don't, and you start getting angry. You need to put a time limit on your anger. 12 hours really is proper context. But look what he says. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. The word in the Greek is topos, a topo map. How many of you hunters out there, you, you, you've seen a topo map and it, it shows elevations and it, right? If you're gonna go hike, you need to have one of those and there's apps and GPS and all kinds of things that we have now. It says, don't give the devil a topos. It's, it's don't give the devil a base camp to scale your life and destroy you. It's, if you allow for yourself to yield to rage and anger and you allow that to be cultivated, you say, you don't know what I've been through, Pastor. No, I don't. But you must forgive and you've got to get a hold of that thing and you've got to put that, that thing down. It's an issue of your soul. And you need to build your spirit up and understand in the listening of God's word, if you'd like the devil to, to summit your, your life and destroy you, then go ahead and stay angry and live an angry life. But if you, if you have that, then you're going to destroy yourself. So it's, it's fascinating. Don't give the devil a foothold. Wow. God's holy. Look at verse 20. Say, what if I have given him a foothold? Well, let's kick him off the mountain tonight. Can you say amen? Verse 20, are you there? For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Oh my goodness. I've had people say, I had this righteous indignation. And I am always reminded of a preacher years ago that said, you know, you might have a righteous indignation, but the second you get a hold of it, it becomes unrighteous because you're a fallen human and you're fallen human nature. Get I've had people say, I've got the righteous indignation. Yeah, shut up. My God, I've used that as an excuse myself. And there are things that it, there are righteous indignation, but you need to be very careful. Really, only God is the one that can have a true righteous indignation. Our anger can stem out of our lack of holiness. Anger can stem out of a lack of holiness. He goes on to say, Verse 21, therefore get rid of all moral filth and evil that's so prevalent. You know, defilement can get you very messed up. I was talking with somebody who had been through a bit of a trauma and they, they didn't realize that the trauma had really been an entry point for them. They needed healing. Listen, whenever there's a car accident, whenever there's a death or a tragedy or something you go through, you need healing. You need healing. You need to close, make sure those doors are closed. When there's car accidents and things that happen from people in the congregation, may you never be in one and may there never be another car accident. But when you go through things, we've gone and prayed for people, led them in a prayer of healing. I've gone to locations where people have been killed, prayed over intersection. I've prayed over this intersection so many times. I've prayed over places. Land can, there can be portals that'll open through trauma in, in the land, actually. That ties into that incredible word that if you didn't get to hear it, I believe it was Saturday morning. Oh my. Devil princes or devil kings or something like that. Powerful word. It's, it'll be online. It's on Facebook. It'll be on YouTube. Get rid of all moral filth and things that surround us. You've got you've to get rid of things in your life that are not of God because they're going to affect you in a way that you don't want. Humbly receive God's word. Humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Man, I love this. Humbly receive God's word. Look, you're here tonight. Maybe some of you came because you thought Perry Stone is going to be here. He's not. I'm not Perry Stone. 
But I believe that most of you came because you're hungry for God's word. And so you'll come on a Sunday night. You're like, man, I'm going to get more of God's word. I need God's word. You know, it's a beautiful thing to realize you need God. You need God to speak to you. I need him to speak to me every day. I had a, I had a number of things happen to me that were supernatural today that brought some correction to my life. And it wasn't like I was doing anything wrong that I knew of, but the Lord showed me, now you're going to change this now. I'm like, okay. He said, you're going to change it because if not, later on, that could lead to something else. And I thought, wow. You know, that's intense. How many of you know that's intense? Say, what are you talking about? It's none of your business. (laughs) Some things I'll tell you, other things I won't. It wasn't a sin condition. I just was awakened to the fact that it could potentially cause a problem for us later on. I thought, well, I'm changing that now. How many of you know you need to change things? And when you, you need God to speak to you. Listen, church is more than, than getting, I'm not here to lecture to you. <laughs> it's not a lecture. Church is not a lecture. Church is hearing the living word of God, the word of God going in you and changing you. Everybody said, changes, face to change. David Bowie, not a very godly guy, but. Come on, lift a hand to heaven and say, God changed me. It's the word that goes in and changes you. One of the things I love about King's Cathedral and Chapels worldwide, over 500 churches, one of the things I love about it is I do believe that there's a very healthy balance about the word of God and the power of God too. Many times Pentecostals have been a bunch of fruitcakes that have no sound theology and don't really teach the word. Run around, throw oil, spit, splash, shout. But there's no, there's no content, there's no backbone of the word. And so Pentecostalism, if I could say it that way, has gotten a bad name because there's been many that just wanted to spin and run and I'll spin and run and I'll throw oil with the rest of them and roll around on the floor too when the spirit does it. But I love the word. I love the word of God. And the word of God, we need to humbly receive that. Oh God, speak to me. Oh God, would you put your finger on things in my life that are out of accord? Lord, show me. Speak to me. Give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want to change lives. I don't want to stay where I... How many of you want to be more like Jesus? How many of you want to make a worldwide impact? How many of you want to live a life where you in the end here, well done, thou good and faithful servant? I do. And I know you do too. And that's really why we're here. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which is able to save you. I can't tell you how many times... I was going to do something and the scripture popped into my mind and it was the Holy Spirit. I'm like, whoop, 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 careful. Our top priority, look at verse 22. Our top priority is to listen to God. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceives yourselves. Oh my. Do what it says. Everybody say, do what it says. That is so scary to me. You see, if, if all you do is come to, and I'm glad you're here, but I can show you a list of people that were here that are no longer here and their lives are destroyed. And I would never do that to embarrass them. But as a point of illustration, some of you will not be here next year. And the reason is, is you've heard the word and you've been sitting under a powerful unction of the spirit of God, but you refuse to change your life. You refuse to obey it. You refuse to, you refuse to do it. I think Nike had one thing, right? Just, just do it. And he said, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, who are you? You don't know how planets don't crash into each other. Well, I don't like that. No kidding. I don't like it either. Your flesh ain't going to like it. You know, one of the indications that man didn't write this book is it condemns man. Who would write a book like that? I'm going to write a book. I'm going to be like, I'm going to be elevated and blessed. Come on, Jesus come back and just scare Herod and he'd fall out. And, you know, it's, 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 it's truth. It's an amazing testimony from Genesis to Revelation. You're not God and you can't live however you want to. And if you do, you will end up in deception. Read my white lips. You'll end up in deception. And some of you are beginning to cross over already because he spoke to you. Listen, he spoke to me today. 
It's between me and my wife. It's, it's really kind of a subtle thing. He spoke to me and I knew he spoke to me and he confirmed it. And then he confirmed it while I'm, while I'm studying. And I'm thinking, okay, I got it. I got it. And I made a commitment. I told my wife and she's like, awesome. Praise God. Awesome. Now he spoke to me. I know he did. I can, by choice, shut my ears to what he said and continue along the same line, which is not really, it's not sin. Unless, of course, it becomes sin because he told you he doesn't want you to do it, then it becomes sin. Look, if he told you not to drink Coca-Cola, I would highly advise you not to pop over, pop off a can and pound the can of Coca-Cola. Whatever he says to you, now there could be spiritual fruitcakes. Not here, of course. Talking to Perry Stone, had many, many conversations. We laughed and it's just so profound, my time with him in the green room and, of course, under the messages and the word. He said, oh, you know, it's a wonderful thing. When you go through trials and challenges in a ministry, you get to see who's really with you. He said, it's, it's, not, it's not the super, super spiritual ones that just flake off and spin off. It's the super spiritual ones that are actually the ones who put their shoulder to it and are actually doing it. See, you can dance and spin, wave a banner, and I'm, I'm, I'll do that too. But a real spiritual life is not one that's just waving and spinning. It's, it's, it's training your children rightly. It's, hello, it's praying. It's learning the word. It's memorizing the word. It's, it's serving. And he goes on to talk about it this, this at the end here, this text. It's our top priority is to listen to God and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. You must. <laughs> you guys got it. All right. If you don't do what it says, you're deceived. What do you mean I'm not going to be here next year? I didn't say that. I said some of you are hearing the word over and over, but you're not applying it. And you're ending up becoming an unbelieving believer. And soon you will not be in service because it's just dull to you. And it's like, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work because you don't obey him. <laughs> Amen, Pastor Daniel. Whoa, that's intense. Listen and obey. Listen and obey. So there's many people that just listen. All that does is make you a religious person. If all you do is learn deep theological truths and it doesn't transform your life, you're in trouble. You have to allow the engrafted word to bring freedom, as it goes on to say, to bring peace, to bring salvation, to bring the blessing of God. And there's times when you just don't want to do it, but if you'll obey, if you'll trust him, he'll bring about that righteous life. He'll bring about freedom. He'll bring the joy. He'll bring the peace. He'll bring the patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Don't be forgetful. Everybody say, don't be forgetful. You forget what you've gone through, forget what God said to you. It's good to journal. I would encourage you. I was telling some of our youth, take notes. So I'll just tell the adults too. Take notes. Even when you're not handed a piece of paper for you to fill in the blanks. I praise God that you're using it as a coloring, a coloring tool and connect the dots and whatever your kids might be using it for. Wonderful. Make an airplane too if you want to. Main thing is that God would write upon the fleshly tablets of your heart. And they found in lectures that you only retain approximately 5% of what is said. So how do you make it go down deeper? How do, you, how, do you, how do you take the word and really apply it? Memorizing it and not forgetting what God has done. Not forgetting what is, you know, we were sitting upstairs, we were naming, he was titling all the sermons he preached. And he's like, now, Friday night, what up, preach? I'm like, uh, uh, and I got my notes out and we're able to look and we he talked about the thrones of judgment on Friday night. I'm able to look, I looked at my notes. And I'm like, Ooh, and all the books, the book of life and on and on and on and all these books and the book of remembrance. And I, I just started going through it. I'm like, Ooh, you see, if you would, if you would listen to what I preach to you right now and from now on and, and all the guests that I have, if you will please take notes and bring that home and go over it, go, look over it, it'll go deeper and you'll become more Christ-like and you'll have greater blessing. What do you mean blessing? Well, he, he talks about that in a minute. How many of you want the blessing of God? Yeah, I do. How many, how many else want it? I want it. 
Being blessed by God depends on hearing and obeying God's word. Verse 25, look how he says to this, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it. You know how you know if you heard it, you do it. Real hearing. Take out the trash. You know they heard you when the trash is gone and it's been taken out. You know you got the directions right when you find yourself actually at the place that you were looking for directions for. You, you listen correctly. You'll find the blessing of God coming upon you as you obey God's word. As you listen and obey the perfect law that gives freedom. My God, my God, it's so good right here. This is so good. Come on, lift your hands to heaven and say, oh God, speak to me. I used to think that serving God was a bondage. Well, Christianity, you got to obey all those rules. Man, what do you do? You have to go to church. No, you get to go to church. Well, you have to read the Bible every day. You get to. And I used to think that all of those regulations, and there are things that you should do and things that you shouldn't do. I used to think that real freedom is doing whatever I wanted to. No, actually, because when you live and do whatever you want to, son, ma'am, then you end up possibly with an entry point and bondage. So I've, I've learned over the years that if I'll trust and, and lean on his word and obey his word in all my ways, acknowledge him, Amen. he'll make my path straight and I'll live in the place of blessing and freedom. You want blessing and freedom in your marriage. You want blessing and freedom in your family. You obey God's word. You go, well, I don't want it. Well, then you don't really want freedom. And blessing. Well, I don't think it works. What do you know? You just fell off the turnip truck like last week. How about look at people's lives that are walking in the blessing of God? You pick, a, pick someone who you've seen for years, love God, serve God, faithful in church, faithful to serve, faithful to pray, faithful to give, faithful to tithe. Watch their life over 20 years and you see what you got. I will tell you what you get. A blessed life. It's beautiful. It's not that they don't have challenges, but they overcome and they overcome and they overcome again and again and again and again and the blessing of God is upon their life. It didn't take me long to figure that out. In my 20s, looking at Dr. Baraka with all his kids weeping in the presence of God. Little Joshy, who's now the president of our organization, Pastor Josh. Little Joshy and, and, and all the kids, and Pastor Colleen. And there they are taking communion on that first Christmas that I spent there in the 90s in Maui. And I watched them and I wept. And I said, my family never had that. And then I thought to myself, but I can have that. And then I sat there and said, I'm going to have that. Let me tell you what I have. I have that. And I give God all the praise. And it's, it's, he's the one that's kept me. You want the blessing of God? You must listen and obey. I don't have to worry about my son doing something insane. He has his own fear of the Lord. We helped install it. I don't have to worry about that. I have to go checking his phone. We checked his phone all the time late, earlier in his life. He's a man of God. My daughter's, my daughter's a, a woman of God. You have to pour into your kids. And I know, I understand that you know, there's times when you can train your children. They can end up in a university perhaps that then defiles them and they have all, some moron professor teaches them something I've seen it over and over. In fact, the, the honest truth, I'm just going to tell you, be very transparent. I'm not sure uh, university as we, as we think of it. I mean, I'm in my 50s. As we think of university as a 50-year-old, a 60-year-old, maybe a 70-year-old, maybe you're 40. I'm not sure universities are so good. I'm very concerned about it. Now, I know we have Christian schools. You're heading off to Christian school. Thank God. Wonderful. There's a lot of unchristians at Christian school. There's a lot of unchristian things that happen. And there's a, there's a lot of perversion in Christian universities too. So you train your kids and then you send them off and you have to stay over guarding over them and praying over them. Come on on family night, can I get an amen? Remember my, I remember driving my truck and I'm super troubled by my daughter and I'm, I'm praying like something's wrong. My phone rings, it's my daughter. She's crying and she says, Daddy. I said, oh, what's up? Because I'm going to come through the phone and kill whatever it is. Ah! Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, they don't have a jet fast enough for me to fly there. And it's, it's lower 48. 
And she says, I'm taking this class, Dad, and, and they made me watch this movie. And, and, and I go, well, what movie did they make you watch? The Godfather. I said, for the love of God, did you watch it? She said, I did, and I'm so defiled. I said, okay, let me pray for you. I prayed for her. I said, you do not need to watch the rest of that. Don't watch the rest of it. You don't watch movies like that because it scars your mind. Now, don't go watching The Godfather's defiled movie, all right? Can I get an amen? amen. I got a hold of the university. I sent letters, and I complained. What kind of, what kind, what kind of a Christian professor, you telling me a spirit-filled person is going to tell somebody to watch that movie? <laughs> Filled with the wrong spirit. Oh, I complained. And honestly, I'm not sure anything really happened. I didn't get really a good response as they took our 60 grand. I've rabbit trailed just a little bit. Being blessed by God means hearing and obeying God's word. It brings freedom. It brings freedom. I told my daughter back then, I think she was a freshman, I told her, I said, listen, you don't do anything that violates your conscience and anything I ever taught you, you obey that. Whatever somebody tells you that's contrary, you don't have to do that. And if you have a problem, call me and I'll fix their stinking wagon. I'll take all their wheels off their wagon. I will strip their wagon of the canvas that's over the top and I will send their wagon to the woodshed to be chopped up for kindling. The reason America's in so much trouble is America's done a lot of listening, but not real listening, done a lot of hearing and no changing, not really living the word. If you really want to live the freedom that's found in Christ, you must obey the word. And what I said, and I, and I feel like I still haven't quite made the point, there will be people that are perhaps even sitting around you now that will not be here a year from now because they listen to these messages, but they don't change. They refuse to tithe. They refuse to obey. They refuse to read the word. They, they say, drop F-bombs and say, excuse my French. If there's something coming out of your mouth, that some of you need to suck on a bar of soap. And well, the Lord knows my heart. He knows my heart. Yeah. Jeremiah says it's deceitfully wicked above all else. Your heart is black, ugly, diseased, and you need a deliverer. Can you say amen? amen. Jeremiah 33, 3, he takes out the heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh. Look at verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious or spiritual would be another way to say that. Yet do not keep a tight rein in their tongues, deceive themselves. So are you telling me that if I let anything just come out of my mouth that I want, that I can end up in deception? Oh, no, I'm not telling you. The Word's telling you. Yes. Yes is the answer. Excuse my French. It's not French. You're cursing. Your Christian talk and your walk, your Christian walk go hand in hand. And I, it doesn't take me long to sit with somebody and you begin to hear what's coming out of your mouth because out of the, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you can begin to hear the innuendos. You can begin to hear the coarse jokes. You can begin to hear stuff and you realize, oh, they need some help. Oh, they need some healing. And you can end up deceived. James redefines what real, listen, real spirituality is not running around praying in tongues, waving a banner and blowing a shofar. Now, I'm not against those things, but I have seen, I have seen people run around like they're, they're the, the, you know, Elijah incarnate. And then, you know, then you go and look at their lives or they don't pay their bills. They have no character. I've seen this. And that's what, that's what Perry Stone was saying. Oh, when trouble hits, it's not so much the super spiritual looking people. It's the ones that have real spirituality. He redefines what real spirituality is. Please don't hear me wrong. We don't have banners here because somebody lost an eye and we had to pray for it to get it put back in. So I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's people that have been whipped. There's no room. Are you going to have banners in the new church? I, I don't know. The thing I don't like about some banner waivers is it's not about Jesus and it's about them. That's, and, and it's, hard to, it's hard to make sure somebody doesn't come and, and do the, you know, the expose of their banner waving and dancing and uh, looky, looky, sugar cookie, it's me. And I don't like that. I don't like it in worship. And we don't have a performance team. 
This is worship. We're not into performance. I just, I can feel it when there's performance. I go into a place and they're like performing and singing to people. And there's a lot of show and stuff. All the words are right, but it's a performance spirit. I hate, I hate it. I I, I can't stand it. That's not, that's not who we are. So maybe we'll have a banner ministry. We used to have a banner ministry, didn't we? I think you led that, didn't you, Minister Micah? Amen. (laughs) Maybe you want to start that again in the new building. Amen. Maybe it was Chanel. I forget which one of you. (laughs) Uh, To not control your tongue and still think you're a Christian. Listen, is to be deceived. To not control your tongue and still say that you're a believer is to be deceived. See, instead of getting mad at me right now, because I can feel that. I can feel like, oh yeah, what are you? Don't, 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 don't point the finger at me. I, I'm reading from the word. So to not control your mouth and consider yourself a Christian is to be deceived. When you say, well, I just got saved. Well, then, okay, then God's helping you to be sanctified. Sanctification is the daily reckoning of your own personal death to yourself and alive to Christ. And that's a process. I understand that. So somebody just came in and you're dropping that. I laid hands on a lady back there years ago. She came for one of the first services she was here. She tells me about what's going on with her boyfriend and all this stuff. And it's really pretty creepy. Things flying around the house. I said, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. God's going to touch you and he's going to break some things off. She's like, all right. All right. I said, okay, you ready? She's like, yeah. I said, okay, just, you know, lift your hands, sign of surrender. Just go ahead. Just like I've said hundreds of times, thousands, maybe she lifted her hands. I laid hands on her. I prayed with authority and you could hear something break off of this woman. Snap. She fell out and a string of curses came out of her mouth. What the boot? How many of you know she got touched by God? She's dropping F-bombs left and right. She's not sanctified. Okay, I'm not nervous about that, but if you've been living for God for any length of time and you keep speaking like that, you keep, you keep talking nonsense, then you're going to end up deceived. True spirituality is holiness. I love this, Pastor Kirsten. I thought about this when I came to this part. And serving. Holiness and serving. Look at the text with me. Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress, that's serving, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world, that's holiness. So now, do you think he means literally orphans and widows? Absolutely, yes, he does, he does. But in the wider view, it's a picture of serving in every, how many of you know that, how many of you know that parents and families need ministry? The, the, the serving. It's a picture of serving. Orphans and widows, yes, but it's a picture of serving also. And keeping oneself from being defiled. That, you want to say that you love the Lord, then you keep yourself from being defiled. Or when you are defiled, you get prayer. And, and then you serve. I, somebody said this to me in the first service. They were part of our church many years ago, and, and, uh, and they left for, oh, I don't know, you know, over 10 years. And so then they're back, they've been touched by God, and they say to me, Pastor, it's so good to be home. And I can't, I'm having a hard time not weeping every time I see them because I've missed them. And they said, well, you know, we were praying, and um, where do you want us to serve? I said, oh, God, say it again, say it again, say it again, just say it one more time. Where do you want us to serve? Yes. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it was music to my ears. I thought, oh, God. You see, discipleship is more than just hearing the truth. It's applying it to your life and serving. It's not just a lecture. It's a lecture, then it's applied to your life, and then you live it out in the context and the soil of relationship. It's helping. We long for you to find your purpose here in this church. We don't really need your help. We want to help you find your purpose children's workers and youth workers and and people serving in some capacity, it does something in you. When I discovered this, I was hooked. I said, if you, if you'll begin to serve, then there'll be a corresponding anointing. How many of you know what anointing means? Anointing. Okay. For those of you that might not know the a corresponding enablement from heaven to do what God called you to do. So when you step out into the street to witness, there comes a corresponding anointing on you. But if you never stepped, you never get it. 
when you begin to serve in children's ministry or passing out a napkin or passing out a Dixie cup or you help in, in the security team or ushers or, or greeters or you, you go and you serve on the Primrose team down there at those beautiful classics and have revival down there. When you serve, something happens. God puts a portion of his spirit on you to do the work. And here's the thing. It stays on you the rest of your life. Well, I should say that differently. It stays on you in your life. So when you're at home, you actually, you've leveled up. Come on, somebody say, I leveled up because I serve. Uh, you level up. Now, many times we've seen people decide to not to stop serving. I've seen this with life group leaders. I've seen this with all kinds of leaders. They're serving. They're hearing God's word. They're doing God's word. They're serving. They're living holy, undefiled. And then they feel like, you know what? I need a break. And I understand. I understand needing a break. But they're like, yeah, I'm just going to step out. I'm not going to serve for this whole next season. And the whole next season turns into a whole nother season, turns into a whole nother season. Before you know it, I don't even see them in church. And then we're following up on them to make sure they're still saved and loving God and all that. And really, they just, they needed to be refreshed in an altar. That's why for children's workers and servants and those that serve in the back, we require you to catch another service. You know why? Because you need to hear me preach to you and you need to come to the front and have hands. I know it's anointed back there, but there's something about receiving. Ushers, greeters, you can't serve every service and not receive. There's times where you have to receive. Isn't this great? True spirituality is holiness and it's, and it's serving. Holiness matters. Someone say holiness matters. All right. Now, now really holiness is, is there's an imputed and an imparted holiness. You see, because none of us are holy except for the fact that we've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And his blood has cleansed us and made us holy. That's why we can boldly come before the throne. You could never boldly come before the throne if you weren't cleansed of your sin. He releases his grace to you, his power to you. And he puts, he gives you his holiness imputed. When you believe, when you receive, and you're born again, you're made holy. Now, when you learn about that, It'll put a love in your heart that just will set you on fire. And then you'll begin to live the life that's sanctified through and through. You'll change the way. When you get born again, it changes the way you talk. It changes the way you walk. When you're born of the Spirit of God and you're, you're a new man, you're a new creation. Some of you haven't experienced a new creation because maybe you've not really repented. So you have secret chambers of your life where you know you're going to go and do that thing that you shouldn't do, but you're going to go and do it because you want to. And then you wonder why there's no blessing, wonder why there's no joy, wonder why there's no fire, wonder why there's no power. Am I getting through to you tonight? True spirituality. Holiness comes from the Lord, but then that's the imputed. Everybody say imputed, imputed. It's given to you simply by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're cleansed of your sin. Imparted is you living a holy life because of what he's done. And then he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. Isn't that, isn't God awesome? Then he rewards you. Then he rewards you for living that way. It's pretty awesome not to have to remember the lies that you told. Just way less stress. Just tell the truth all the time. All right, what's God saying to us? Very simply, memorize the verse. Memorize this verse. Take note. Memorize this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Say it with me. Everyone should be slow to speak, slow to become angry. He's telling us to take note. He's telling us to memorize it. Take note means memorize it. Learn it. Speak it to yourself. Put into practice God's word. God, and like I said before, God's not interested in you. Let me see. Let me see how many lectures did you attend? Oh, you attended 150 lectures. Very good. We give you a little check mark and God blesses you for attending lectures. That's not what happens. No, this is not a lecture. This is church where you hear the word and it goes in, you receive it humbly, and then you allow for it to change your life. You mix faith with that. And then you change. And God rewards you as you live out your life in accordance with his word. It's, 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 not, it's not just listening. It's listening and doing. Thank you. 
Haggerty's. Oh, I got an amen over on this side. Can I get another one in the middle? Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen over on this side? Can I get an amen like you mean it? One, two, three. Yeah. That's right. Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. Blessed are you who hear and obey. Be careful what you let into your life. Be careful what you let into your life. I've had things happen on social media that that I really didn't care for. I swipe past it as fast as I can, but you know, maybe some of you should put up your social media. Maybe, maybe you should not be on that so much. Maybe it's not as helpful as you think. Maybe it's defiled you. Now, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand if you've been defiled by your phone or the internet or a computer. I have before. What do you do with that? I go and I get prayer, I pray for myself. And generally speaking, I, I can pray for myself. Come on, you don't lay hands on yourself. Come on, you can do self-deliverance. Some of you need to. But James also says on a later date, which we'll get to, confess your faults one to another, pray for one another, you may be healed. There's something about fellowship. It's not just a lecture, it's having relationship with people where we can talk to each other, where we can lovingly confront each other, where we can lay hands on you. I can't lay hands on you on the end. Hey! <laughs> Felt the Holy Ghost for a second. I can't lay hands on you, you're online. I don't even know what you're doing. You could be smoking pot right now, looking at me like, oh, it's a cool message, but he's irritating me right now. And then you can just swipe and you're gone. I mean, for you to get up right now, it's gonna require a little bit more effort, but I can see you. Listen, it's hard to prophesy over people that you can't see online. I mean, God, the Spirit of God can do that. But there's something about being in fellowship. The church will never be cyber only. It's, a con it's contrary to truth. It's contrary to the definition of what the, word, of what the church is. You can get information, but you can't get the rest of it. How are you going to pass out a Dixie cup in children's ministry while you're sitting at your kitchen table watching me shout at you right now? I'm like, little Perry Stone coming out. You know what's funny about that? That is some Perry Stone influence. You know why that comes? Because I've been listening to him. When you listen to the word and you listen to scripture, it puts something in you that changes you. The word of God will change you. You can't just listen and not do. You must listen and do. Be careful what you let into your life. Through the internet, there's a lot of false teachers out there. I've had people say to me, oh yeah, I'm listening to this incredible Bible teacher. I'm like, oh. I, I get so nervous about that. I've been listening to this prophet I said, has he asked you for an offering yet? Oh, yeah. See, the thing is, you can't see what Mr. Prophet or Mrs. Prophetess is doing on the other side. It's like, it's like those that you know, go to a dating app and there's a 700-pound man there sending you pictures like he's Cary Grant. He's so handsome. That's not him, honey. No, he's going to come and visit. He just needs a little help with a plane ticket. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Jabba the Hutt behind a computer. I bind that spirit of Jabba the Hutt in Jesus' name. It's deception. You can't just listen to something on the internet and not see a life lived out. You must see a life lived out. My life is lived openly before you, along with the rest of my pastors, along with the rest of our leaders. You can see how I treat my wife and when she gets mad at me and the faces she makes and the different things that happen. You can see maybe I need to repent or I said something. You're seeing my life. I'm, I'm hoping, I pray with all my heart that I can model for you what it is to be a man of God. And God's dealing with me. He's dealing with me, man. He's dealing with you. You can't see that on the internet. You can't see. Church will never be just cyber. It's never just information. Praise God for information. Praise God for all the good things that you can get. But if you don't learn to live it out, then you can let things into your life that are not of God. Keep in mind we have true freedom and we must walk in it. Worship team, please. We have true freedom and we must walk in it. I explained this a little bit earlier. Um, it took me a little while to figure it out, but if I'll obey God's word, which seems like it's restrictive, 
seems like, man, how come, you know, it's like my kids used to say, how come we can't have sleepovers? Because Brackens don't do sleepovers. I say, why not? Because I said so. Now, when they grew up, come on, so I said so is a good enough answer. I'm an authority. I brought you into the world. I make the rules. Okay, then as they grow up, then I began to teach them. They couldn't handle it when they first started asking, but then I began to teach them because things happen sometimes at people's houses that we don't want happening. But like what? Stuff. Okay. Well, they can't sleep over here because nothing bad will happen over here. I said, yeah, that's true, but it's possible that they could bring bad. So we just made a rule. No sleepovers. That's no fun. Yeah, this is not 1950, honey. It's, it's, it's not the 40s. It's not the 50s. There's still bad things that happen. Now, now there's a whole culture that's polluted. So well, that's, that's pretty, you call it what you want. My kids were never defiled like that. My kids never got molested and never will. Thank God. You have to have rules. You have to have, you have to have regulations. You, <laughs> and I've found that as you allowed those structures to come into place, that it brought the freedom I was looking for all my life. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And as you obey him, as you live for him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and all your strength, you will walk into the blessing of God that some of you don't even aware exists. He'll bless you in the city and he'll bless you in the field. He'll bless you going in and he'll bless you going out. He, he will crown your life with joy. Oh, oh yes, weeping might endure for a night, but joy, glorious joy will come in the morning. Oh, and even if you make a mistake, if you'll pray and you'll serve God and you'll live for God, that mistake God will turn for good. He'll turn it all around. Oh, what the devil meant for evil, God will turn that too. He'll stand over you to see his good word performed. Oh, he'll make you. He'll make you into the, the dream and the hope and the vision that he had before you were even your mother's womb. For the love of God, listen and obey. Listen and obey. I don't want to. And then be deceived. But it won't be my fault. It's yours. And you can blame the fact that you were bottle fed instead of breastfed. You can blame the fact that your dad dropped you on your head. You can blame the fact that maybe you didn't come. Oh, I didn't have a silver spoon in my mouth. We didn't have no spoons. Okay, I understand it might have been difficult. But you need to go to Lowe's, get a ladder, and get over it by the power of God. You need to forgive your pain. I know, I, I'm not going to mock your pain. I understand those things. But there must come a time. There must come a time. Try to follow me. Try to follow me. There must come a time. When you leave your past behind, yes. And you walk in newness of life. You walk in newness of life. You live free, live free. Woo. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. He's free, he's free. So trust him, lean on, rely on him, his word, not your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight and you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Oh, whose leaves never wither. And people will come to, to feed on the wonderful fruit that comes forth from your life. When they need wisdom, they'll come to you. When they need help, they'll come to you. When they need healing, they'll come to you. When they need, oh, when whatever they need, they'll come to you and you'll begin to point them to Jesus and say, he's the one that set me free. Oh, I used to be lost. I used to be broken. I used to be addicted, but it came. And he set me free. I have preached myself crazy. Sometimes I feel like Moses trying to convince you. Don't go back to Egypt. I know there's garlics and garlic and leeks, but we can have those in the promised land. Just wait. Just keep coming. Keep going. God's good. Turn your back on Egypt. Don't go back to the world. And so many people do. They don't, they don't, they don't listen. They, they don't really listen. They, the trash is still there. Take the trash out. Close the entry points. Live for God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and watch God 
in every other way. Can you say amen? amen. My God. <laughs> I think I have a couple more points. Everybody say, don't be deceived. All right. I think we made our point with that. Don't be deceived. Don't listen. Don't merely listen. Verse 22. And deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Everybody say, I'm going to do what it says. And lastly, live a life free from anger. Three keys of how to walk, a, live a successful life. And here, well done, good and faithful servant. So powerful. Be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to wrath or slow to anger. Everybody say it. Be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. Did you get something? Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.